the Grind Coffee Project in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's your football fix. From their caffeinated state of mind, this is the Grind Podcast with Brady Quinn and Jeff Darlington. A very special edition of the Grind Podcast. And not special because Brady Quinn is not here. Um, That would be mean. Special because Rush Holson is here in place of Brady Quinn. You all know him as Rush's rant, the caffeinated segment. Rush is in town for work uh, from Chicago. Rush Holson, how are you? I'm doing great. I just got to say it's nice to be not screaming into a cell phone doing this. This is like professional. I got a microphone. I got earphones. I feel like uh, I'm in the business. Well, you know, we're, we're making some upgrades around here at the Grind Podcast, too. So uh, you're, you're getting a taste of what we do. This is good. You'll go home and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll understand what happens. Uh, it's a really sophisticated production. By the way, uh, you, had some cl- you had a client dinner last night. You and I were able to get a drink afterwards. Um, uh, we're hurting. We're old men, Rush. That's what I was telling Biasi when we were walking in. I, I feel like if I were just transported into my body this morning, I would have definitely guessed that I got blacked out last night. I mean, it is. Uh, we didn't. We had a couple cocktails. Couple cocktails. Gentlemanly. The other problem is Biasi. You invited me out. I played basketball with you two days ago. Yes, correct. First physical activity I've had in easily over a year, potentially two years, Rush. My body hurts so bad. And then last night, to top it off, Rush comes over to my house. My wife was still awake. Somehow you said that I couldn't do 32 push-ups. So I decided to get on the ground and do 32 push-ups after a couple cocktails. I'm a mess right now. You did reel those push-ups off off like a champ, though. I was impressed. I didn't think you had it in you. Yeah. Did you get to 32? 30, 32. 32. 33. 33, because we were talking about doing 100 push-ups in three sets. Yeah. That was the genesis 33 of 33 push-ups. I am so sore. The first thing I did this morning was pop three Advil. I don't know if that's very healthy, but, um, but here we are, and uh, it's great to have you in the studio, Rush. Uh, Anthony, how's things going with you, bud? Good, Jeff. You didn't even mention that you hit the game-winning shot over me <laughs> in that basketball game. I don't, I don't like to brag. <laughs> Look at him but, smiling. But, uh, but thanks for bringing that up. Jeff is known for being humble. When I think Jeff Darlington, I think humility. So, you do? Yeah. That's my middle name. <laughs> I, I, I do got to ask you a question, Jeff. I got huh? a question for you. Yeah. So you started to uh, text me using your voice today, and yet at the end of every text it says the word send. So are you saying the word send? <laughs> do you think it's going to work like that? I realized it didn't. Uh, my wife was getting very upset with me as I was trying to coordinate uh, getting getting here to the Grind uh, Coffee Project, and she was telling me I need to use more voice dictation so that I don't text and drive, which I couldn't agree with her more. I really need to think about that. But I was trying to use it, and I felt like, a, I felt like my father. I, I guess I kept saying send. Yeah, it says send at the end of every and text. I kept, but I said, th- this voice dictation thing sucks, and then it thought I said socks, and then... <laughs> soccer and it kept changing my words and as a writer it's very difficult for me to 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 give that you're a perfectionist yeah it's like uh i'm never saying ducking i don't know why they always auto correct me that, i think that's i think that's just apple people trolling us which <laughs> it's I love. such a troll job anyway uh rush as you know we like to get things started off with the buzz so let's let's keep it quick you know just some quick thoughts i'm gonna see you up and let's get it going with the buzz look at breakfast already, Rush, we had a discussion about the aspect of Kevin Durant staying in Oklahoma City. You said, I guarantee it happens. 
I am stunned that you are saying 100% it happens. A lot of people down here in South Florida believe that Kevin Durant has an opportunity potentially to wind up with the Heat. Why are you so convinced that he stays with Oklahoma City? It's actually, it's an odd story, Jeff, and here's why. This is one of those things that it's a great story for the media to talk about all summer. We're going to be in the doldrums of summer once the finals are over, so that'll be a big story. But what people don't realize is that Kevin Durant stands to make more than $40 million more by signing a one-year deal and then re-upping wherever he's going to go. So he's definitely going to do one more year in Oklahoma City, and here's why. Once he goes into his 10th year, he is then eligible for 35% of the total cap space. Being under 10 years at nine years in the league, he's only eligible for 30%. So that's an extra 5% salary bump plus the max deal. So he'd be leaving 40, 50, and then the extra year added on, you're talking maybe $70 million by wanting to go to Miami this year. I mean, Kevin Durant might like it down here in South Beach. I don't know if he likes it $70 million worth. I should remind the uh, listeners, Rush, is, his acumen with the NBA is above most experts that you'll hear out there. So when he speaks, I listen. That being said, 100% Rush? 100%. 100%. Okay. 100%. He, it's, it's, a, it's not even a story. It's you, just, you heard it. It hey, gives uh, people something to talk about. Uh, sadly, sad news down here in South Florida that Doral, uh, the, the golf tournament down here, uh, the world championship, is, is leaving. Uh, I guess it's headed to Mexico City. Uh, no longer will Doral be host of this great event just after the course is being made over. In fact, to, to, to be a stadium seating for crowds. Uh, does this news resonate with you as a Chicagoan? Do you care? Well, I'll tell you this. We were obviously we were having breakfast with David Eddy there and this morning. That's when I found out about it. He was saying they went out of their way to say this had nothing to do with Donald Trump. And that's just hard to believe. You know, we're sitting here in this very, very heated political climate today, and Trump's obviously saying some very controversial things, and then they move the tournament that he kind of owns. It's hard for me to believe that one doesn't have to do with the other. Maybe, well, I'm being, maybe I'm looking too much into it being conspiracy theorists, but I'm going to have to say they're trying to wash their hands of it, if I had to guess. What'll be interesting is seeing whether Doral can eventually get a tournament back and get a new sponsorship, perhaps after the presidential election, depending on what way that goes. Ryan Fitzpatrick in the news yet again, probably because it is June and, and there's nothing else to talk about in the NFL. Uh, this time because, uh, quite frankly, the Jets are standing firm on their offer. I was told by a Jets source that uh, the offer contains $16 million worth of guaranteed money. Decent deal on the table. Uh, Fitzpatrick, I love this. Fitzpatrick, apparently exclusive from the Daily News. Fitzpatrick is willing to take uh, a one-year deal. He'll, he's willing to offer, accept that, except for the fact, that, Rush, that the Jets are not actually offering that. So that kind of goes very well in line with what I'm willing to take. I'm willing to do one year for $8 million. So you heard it here first, breaking take, news on the grind. Hey, one year for $7 million, so. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm going to be out there playing quarterback for the Jets for a half a million bucks here in a second. Anyway, one of the things I really want to focus on, and that'll do it for the buzz. Thanks, Biasi. Uh, one of the things I want to focus on with Rush today, um, I really want to get the buzz out of the way because I'm excited to talk to Rush about the NBA. Uh, this, like I said, is something that he knows so well, and uh, we, have, we haven't really gotten to talk about this. We talked a little bit uh, last night. Were you surprised? I mean, you, you know a lot about the NBA. Were you surprised that Oklahoma City collapsed in the end, or were you, were you, what were you, let me ask you this, what were you more surprised by, that Oklahoma City ended up 3-1, to one, or that Oklahoma City collapsed in the final games? I was more surprised that Oklahoma City went up 3-1. to one. Um, and I thought there were some very glaring things that Golden State was not doing in the first four games. Um, 
the thing that really, really impressed me with Oklahoma City, where I thought they were going to be really weak, it actually turned out being a strength was Ennis Cantor. He's a very good offensive player, but his ability to guard the pick and roll, especially to switch out on guards, is at the absolute bottom of the barrel in the NBA. And for the most part, he did a respectable job when they were running that pick and roll and he had to step out on Steph or Clay. And I thought that's where they were going to get killed. And they really didn't. In fact, the quote-unquote death lineup for Golden State was actually running big-time negative through the first four games, which I think was a big, big surprise to people really following the series closely. What, what, uh, what percentage chance would you have put on it going into game one that Oklahoma City would win that series? I would say 25%. Okay, so you thought that, that the Warriors were heavily favored going into that series? Very heavily favored. I thought for – go ahead. No, I would say after game – so I want to know after game four, what did you think? I thought there was something – and I was te- – Brady and I were actually texting about this after game four. I thought there was something very obvious that Golden State was not doing, and they did it after game four, and I thought that had a huge impact on the outcome of the series. What is that? So what Golden State was doing – is they were putting their best defender, Draymond Green, on the worst offensive player for Oklahoma City, Robertson. And kind of using Draymond in that like Scottie Pippen role where he was kind of roaming the entire court, double teaming, trapping, trying to get rebounds. But the downside of that is it forced Steph Curry to guard Russ Westbrook, which even with Steph is 100%, that's a huge ask for him to do because he's running like crazy on offense. So he's going to use a ton of energy. Plus he was dinged up and Steph just wasn't Steph. So after game four, and I was kind of going crazy about this for the first couple games, they changed it up. They put Draymond Green back on Ibaka, which let him put Klay Thompson on Russ, and then Steph got to get his rest guarding Robertson. He didn't have to do much. He just kind of stood there. And that's why you saw a different Steph Curry the last three games. So that's interesting you say that because that suggests that there is merit to the fact that Westbrook was actually laughing when questioned about Curry's defense. It sounds like the Warriors, too, then, you're saying were – respecting the fact that maybe Curry isn't the best defender? Yeah, it's one of those deals where the message was right. The delivery was terrible. It was tone deaf. I mean, it's he's the two-time NBA MVP. You don't really make fun of him. And I think there was a little bit of that in that last shot in game seven that he didn't need to put up. Yeah, I think he, he was kind of sticking that to Russ. Kind of like, come get it. I got the title. You don't. Him dropping back and taking that three, was that necessary at all? Was that smart? See, the thing about Steph that I love so much is that he's like – he's undersized he smiles he's very likable and that really takes away from how he's kind of got that Michael Jordan FU mentality he really has it you just kind of kind of look for it it's hitting those threes it's running back down the court when the ball's halfway in the air and hasn't gone through yet he still does a lot of that stuff it just goes a little bit more under the radar so you bring up a good point about um about Westbrook him laughing uh it kind of reminded us when we were talking last night of Cam Newton a little bit. Cam Newton in the Super Bowl. Here's the, here's the NFL MVP has this incredible season, and ultimately the final storyline, the final tag on it, was not how terrific he played throughout the season, was how he handled so poorly losing the Super Bowl. Do you think that, that Westbrook, would, that will resonate for a long time? I absolutely do. I think it's a one-to-one comparison. I think it's just like you said. I think that Cam Newton had an all-time great NFL season this year. But when you ask somebody about Cam Newton today, what do they say? Oh, the guy didn't go after the fumble and handled the press conference bad after the Super Bowl. That's going to stick for a while. He needs to do this again next year, probably win the Super Bowl to have that stink come off of him. It's the same thing with Russ. It's not going to be the same because people don't follow the NBA as closely and it's not as highly scrutinized. But for those who do follow the league very closely, 
Russ Westbrook had his best season ever. He was a triple-double machine. They're going to think about him laughing at Steph in the press conference. You think so? Absolutely. You really think that mattered? I do think that that mattered. I, I, I think that those in the NBA circles and people who follow the sport very closely are kind of like thinking he really put his foot in his mouth in that one. It was a bad look. A bad, you, don't, you don't laugh and make if, – maybe if you're up 4-1 and you're going to the finals, then you could laugh at him a little bit. Maybe it's still kind of tasteless, but don't do it when it's 3-1. I feel like um, st- even when the series started, it, it, but here's what's so funny about it. Like it, it all depends on performance, right? If you're going to talk, you got to, you got to walk the walk. And at the beginning of that, when he said, uh, Steph Curry is nothing we haven't seen before. Yeah. He's nothing they haven't seen before because they played against Steph. So from that standpoint, it's true. Right. But yeah, I mean, Steph Curry does things that we've never seen before in the NBA ever and might never see again. It's just, I love Russ. I'm, if, you're in a room with 100 NBA fans. There aren't two who like Russ as much as I do. I love his game. I love everything he does. But, you know, sometimes he has a tendency to be very short and curt with the media, and I just don't think he wanted to listen to it. He's like, get out of my face. He's just like anybody else. I was just going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but when they asked that question to Durant and Westbrook, wasn't it Durant that answered the question? Yes. As Westbrook was just laughing? Yeah, they asked, they asked if his – essentially the reporter asked whether or not they believe that Steph Curry's defense is perhaps underrated. Right. Because he had played a pretty good He had like five steals game. in the game or something like that. And well, that's how they asked the question. Yeah. And, he, and then I think he answered, it's not just about steals. Right. I'd rather Durant take my guy over Durant was essentially saying that there's more to defense than that. Yeah. Um, but while he was answering the question, Westbrook was sitting next to him, like not just like a quick snicker, like fully like laughing. And plus, Steph's a pretty good defender. I mean, Steph's not going to be on the All-NBA team right. anytime, All-NBA defensive team anytime soon. But, I mean, he can hold his own. He was getting swipes in, late in the games in multiple games down the stretch. So this is a good segue then, speaking of defenders and, and good, great defenders, perhaps the best defender in the NBA, in LeBron James. Like, what are you thinking, man? Are you pumped? Is this? Yeah, I'm very excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. And... You know, last year's season ended with a lot of questions. If you're a Cleveland fan, there was the, oh, we didn't have Kyrie. We didn't have Kevin Love. Well, now we get to have that argument. Now we get to put that argument to rest. Not only do we get to put it to rest, uh, the Cavs are so healthy, have zero excuses because of the way they played. They deserve this. They won quickly in each of their series. They're coming in as full strength now. They're 100%. They're full bore. Um I think they got a lot of problems in the series. I would be shocked if Cleveland is able to extend this series past six games and be competitive for multiple Really? Reasons. Yeah. I, I got Gold State at five, maybe four. Wow. Really? You feel like you didn't learn any lessons from the Oklahoma City well, series? I, what Oklahoma City does, no one else can do. First of all, the big, the big weakness of Gold State, obviously, is rebounding. And Oklahoma City is the best offensive rebounding team in the league, and they killed them on the offensive glass. Just absolutely destroyed them. Golden State, for everything they do and all the movement and all the motion, is not a crazy athletic team. Oklahoma City is the most athletic team in the league, so they're really able to exploit their two big weaknesses. Cleveland doesn't do either of those very well. They're not crazy athletic. They're a bunch of shooters besides LeBron, and their offensive rebounding is slightly above average. So I don't think they can really exploit those weaknesses. All right, so we're going to take a quick coffee break, and when we come back, we are going to get more uh, into Rush's head as it pertains to what we should expect out of this series. We'll be back in just one minute.
All right, Rush. We're back here on the Grind Podcast. Rush Holson uh, in for Brady Quinn, who is on a baby moon. What do you think about the baby moon? He's over in Italy, right? Italy or Paris? Yeah, I, I don't like. We didn't. Did you do a baby moon? No, no, we didn't. Uh, you know, maybe both, maybe my wife is too much of a lush, but I just don't see her signing up for Italy for a week. No, where she can't have a glass of wine. That's exactly right. I I don't subscribe to the baby moon from the standpoint that I just feel like. If there's one time you don't want to go on vacation, it would be in your third trimester. Yeah, I mean, what if something happens? You're going to be in an Italian hospital where you oh, don't the speak whole, the language? like The whole deal. But anyway, I'm sure uh, it's a wonderful experience. Have to change the names, ba- the baby's name to Florence? Right, exactly. Or Sienna? Um, or <laughs> but But I think Brady's probably having a great time. We'll have to ask him about the baby moon and, and the mindset behind it. But anyway, he's there. Speaking of Brady's absence, I got to say there's, I, it's such an honor to be here and actually sit in this chair today, but I really wish that Brady could have done a rant this week. I know it would have been great. He so, would have. so he could have said something and then he can't respond to it. <laughs> you and I just rant. get to rip it up. Well, eventually rush our, our hope is to have uh, the capability and we think we're getting close to, uh, to being able to have you call in and uh, after the rant, maybe have a final say. A yeah. Like a, a response will. to the rebuttal. Right. Exactly. I think they do that in court, right? I think we, we need Eddie here. We I don't David know. Eddie. I think you do get a chance to like rebuttal the response. Uh, do you have any questions for Biasi about his dating life? Are you pretty good? I mean, do you have any? How did it go down at AMSO last night after we left? All I can tell you is as soon as I walked in, they're like, Darlington just left. <laughs> yeah, I got a text from uh, Biasi uh, last night about, I don't know, one one thirty. Yeah. Of course, this is typical. Biasi, I love this about Biasi. He's always down, first of all. He's always down to party. That's right. Second, he's still, like, no matter how many times I tell him, like, you know, I got the kid. You know this goes, Rush. Mm-hmm. Got a kid, got a wife. He texts me. Then he wants me to come back out, basically. At, well, like, 1 a.m. I'm like, I, I, I can't get out. Well, first of all, I had told that you were prolonging your night, so I assumed you were still out. Right. I did not know that you went home. So and I, I can't relate. I don't have a kid. I'm single with no well, responsibilities. I love that he still thinks of me. It's just... So I do have a question for Biasi about yes. his dating life. I've obviously followed the podcast very closely. I know this is a big topic. So are you more of a hit on everything that moves and see what sticks <laughs> kind of guy? Or do you pick your spots? I pick Great my question. spots, but that is a good question. You don't like subscribe to the law of large numbers? Like no. if I hit on 50 women, one will say yes and I'll be good to go. I'm kind of picky, uh, but I hit on everything. <laughs> I have something to say about that. I think that Biasi plays the game. I think he's very smart for this. He actually does talk to everybody, but from a very altruistic place, from a very um, friendly, genuine, respects humanity for all that it is and is willing to talk to everybody. The place where he gets into trouble is the fact that he's so nice and so kind to everybody that he hits that friend zone quick. Uh, That's because I I know which girls I want to take more than that and I'm not I have no problem talking to like everybody and being friends with a lot of people that I'm probably not going to hook up with like a lot of the girls at American Social like you th- but, but I'm th- not hooking up with any of those girls so I have no problem being like friends with all of them you're okay with that I am okay with that you don't I'm find yourself try- well I'm not trying to like hook up with them so I don't want to ruin my friend always says don't ruin the bar like I don't want to ruin the bar by screwing something up where then it becomes awkward going in there mm-hmm. so I, I hook up with the patrons that go in there yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think you kind of want to, you, you don't want to be, bra- if you hang out there all the time, you, you, 
yeah, you need to be keeping that on the up and up. I do. It's funny. So I was hanging out with a girl the other night and she was like, hey, do you want to go to American Social? And I'm like, uh, no, let's go somewhere else. Really? Why? Because I don't want to like make like a like have like a date at American Social. That's 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 a layup. She just set you up to walk in there and be the king and her be like. Wow, my man over here knows. Well, everything. we already kind of like did everything, but no, I don't. Uh, it's I mean, I feel like that's a oh, <laughs> so like I, you know, I bury the lead. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the problem. I don't want to, you know, that's like my home. I can't be bringing people to my home. That's you know. So I we, meet them there. Am I understanding you correctly that you have never end up unintentionally friend zoned? Like every friend zone you have was on purpose. Oh no, no, that, no, I don't think that's true. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. I I think I think that I think Biasi is is coming up with a nice defense here but i think that he does he enters the friend zone pretty i'm sure that's probably accurate i'm just a nice guy i just like to hang out no, you i think are. that's my problem you, is you that are. i just Remember sometimes i'm just content with just hanging out one of the bartenders at lunch yesterday in fact we were talking to and she said that she essentially was saying that biasi when he he's so sweet during the day but then he has a couple cocktails at night and he starts but, making these funny comments. But her and I have a very flirtatious relationship. But, but we that's don't take not it what she that. said. She said that you're so nice during the day that at night when you say those things, she doesn't take you seriously. Okay, but she, she knows I'm joking because she's that's the friend with zone. someone. That, that's yeah, the that's the ultimate zone. friend zone. That is, but, but that's she, the, the definition fact that of the You can't zone. even make a move. You can't even flirt with her without her being like, oh, it's just Anthony. Oh, my little. Like, I love you. Me. Oh, ha, ha, ha. That's hilarious. She said yeah, it herself. I agree with that, but I don't. I don't have the mindset of taking her home anyway because she's in a relationship with kids. <laughs> anyway, perhaps we should get back to some basketball before we get Biasi too, uh, too, too pulled in here. We have, we have a few more minutes, and I, I just wanted to to get your take on this series and what what you're looking for. I mean, this is, in my opinion, setting up to be a a, a total classic. So I think there's a couple things that are going to be really interesting. One, and I don't know if this is 100 percent true, but I think that is. I don't think Tyron Lue's ever coached against Gold State. And Golden State obviously plays a totally different brand of basketball than anybody else does. Now, they have the same back office people, and they'll have them scouted out, but in-game decisions will be a lot different. Um, I think the biggest issue facing Cleveland is going to be this. In order to compete offensively, in order to go bucket for bucket with Golden State, they're going to have to have three of the following four people on the court almost at all times. They're going to have Kyrie Irving, J.R. Smith, um, Channing Fry and Kevin Love. Three of those guys have to be on the court to have those space the shooters to get the ball in the bucket. Those are four of the 15 worst defenders in the entire NBA. Having those guys chasing around Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson is a recipe for absolute total and utter disaster. So I think in order for Cleveland to keep up offensively, they're going to give up so much on the defensive end that it's just going to be a layup drill or a three a, a three point shooting contest for Golden State. Well, that's what I was going to say. You said layup drill, but but it sounds more like, based on the seasons of both of these teams, that it's more of a three-point competition, no? Yeah, and it, that's the thing that Golden State does such a good job of. One of the things that a lot of teams try to do, especially in the playoffs, is you want to hide your worst defender. There's nowhere to hide him against Golden State. Who is Kyrie Irving guarding in this series? Kyrie Irving, as, as great as he is on offense, is just laughably bad on defense. Really? And you got to put him on somebody. And everybody on Golden State can shoot, and they run around, and... It's, it's a big, big pr- – and J.R. Smith just as bad. So who are these people guarding? So where, where are the matchups to watch? I think the matchup to watch is going is to be how does Cleveland handle the Draymond Green, Steph pick and roll. I, I think you're going to see a lot of that action in game one tonight, and they're, they're gonna, it's kind of – they're going to just say, see how they play that. Is that as simple it, as switch or stay? 
you know, I mean, there's a lot of things they can do. They're going to, so they're going to, they're going to try, they're going to try to switch it. And they're, so that's been the problem with Steph and his knee. And that's kind of been the critique against him against OKC was that he couldn't really shake the big guy off the switch. So that's why Canner had a lot of success and Steven Adams had a lot of success. And you saw game six and seven where he was much healthier. He was shaking those guys and getting the open looks that he typically gets. Um, it'll be interesting. to see. I, I, I personally think that Cleveland's going to trap it. I think they'll trap that high pick and roll and then force the ball out of Steph's hands and see what happens. Who is more important to the Warriors' success, Steph Curry or Klay Thompson? I think, that's, I think that's a flawed question. I think that's the beauty of Golden State. I think that they feed off of each other. So, for example, in game six, Steph wasn't really feeling it in the first half, and Clay went off. I think they do a very good – very rarely do both of them have off nights, and I think that's the beauty of it. Oh, I'm curious, being such a uh, big NBA expert as you are, um, game six, in my opinion, and I, I don't want to be – I don't want to just throw out rhetoric, and, and oh, that was amazing. What happened in Game Six with Clay Thompson? The fourth quarter was the most entertaining quarter of basketball I've ever I've ever seen. I understand we have a tendency to be the prisoner of the moment. What just happened right. is the most exciting thing that's ever happened. Even be having the self awareness that that is a thing, I still think it's the most entertaining quarter of basketball I've ever watched. Certainly up there with the fourth quarter of Game Six, Jordan versus Utah. Really? That was another great fourth quarter. Um, just what Golden State was doing, playing unbelievable defense, pushing some of the shots. Clay Thompson was just. Just not even making them, just having the balls to take them. Yeah. Forget making them. It was unbelievable. It was absolutely incredible. I remember sitting there um, next to my wife, and she could not. Um, I was like, are you like, are you into this at all? And she, I mean, she couldn't have cared less. I was like, this is as easy as it gets to be a basketball fan. Like, the, I think the three-point shot is such a beautiful thing, like a, like a home run, essentially. Like, I'm surprised that that didn't pull in more of the casual fan, someone like my wife, she still couldn't have cared less. I thought it was amazing. Well, and in, in addition to that, talk about getting the casual NBA fan. Look at what time the game's starting tonight here huh. on the East Coast, 9 o'clock. Yeah. That was part of the problem. Yeah. My wife just wanted to go to it's bed. It's tired. You're, it's midnight. She had no desire to yeah. even be watching it. It, it, it. Certainly there are TV executives who know infinitely more than I ever will about television, but for the life of me, I can't understand why NBA playoff games start at 9 at night. Like the Memorial Day Game 7, that's a holiday. So people in the West Coast aren't working. Still started at 9 Isn't this still a West Coast thing, though? If, if, it, wasn't, if it wasn't the Warriors, would it still be at 9 p.m.? They've, I feel like they've all been at 9 for the last couple of years. But the Memorial Day game was outrageous. Yeah. Absolutely outrageous. That should be on at 6 o'clock, 3 yeah. o'clock Western. That'd be perfect. Why is that a 9 o'clock game? I don't know, but uh, I'm excited about tonight's 9 o'clock game. You know, you, you made a funny comment. Why, why You actually like the idea of this being a 9 o'clock tip-off, though. Cause you have family in town. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got, a, I've got, I'm doing some stuff for work, and then the NBA. I've got a family trip I'm going on next week, and hopefully by nine o'clock Eastern time, everybody's in bed, and I can stay up and watch the game. Because otherwise, they'll be watching like Desperate Housewives or whatever it is that they watch. So, yeah. I mean, for, fortunately for me, as a selfish person, it works out well. But for the rest of the East Coast, it's certainly the casual fan. It, it's not a it's not a win win situation. Well, Rush, I feel like this was a great week to have you in, just because uh, the NBA is so interesting right now, and also uh, the NFL is so boring. And I know how much you love hot takes, so we were able to completely avoid um, almost every hot take possible. Yeah, I, so. I, I, hot takes are the best. Yeah, you hot love takes, hot takes. I love nothing better than a great. There's a great that great hot take about the NBA right now is is it rest or is it rust for Cleveland? 
and we'll tell you after game one if they win or lose. That's the totally after the That's fact. the big one right now? Yeah, but they won't tell you until after game one. Right. If they win, oh, they were rested up. That's why they won. If they lose, oh, they, it was rust. They had too much time off. There are already... Uh, already excuses in the in the, in the works. There I mean, are there are hack reporters who have already written the article. It's already been written. They just got to fill in some statistics and they'll have it in five minutes. After that was the like over. the uh, the Fitzpatrick stuff we were talking about earlier. How yesterday the Daily News reported that Fitzpatrick, like I was saying, was unwilling or was willing to take a one year deal. Uh, today the Daily News, the same publication, is reporting that um, the Jets are not offering that one year deal. Like if you had just gone and done the reporting beforehand you would realize that he is willing to take this deal. The Jets are not willing to offer it. That's not literally not even a story. They got two stories where there were zero stories. Good for them. They got two stories where there were zero <laughs> yeah. stories. It shouldn't have even been combined into one story. It should just not have been a story. <laughs> He's willing to take the deal. They go to the Jets' ownership. We're not offering it. No story. No story. But they got two out of it. Two stories. I think that's it's either genius or hackish or both. It's genius in the sense that the aggr aggregators of the world will aggregate both stories they will get double the clicks. Beautiful. Two stories instead of zero. That is unbelievable math. Rush, thank you so much for joining us here on the Grind Podcast. It was a pleasure. Uh, we really think you should move back home and uh, and just do this thing regularly. You know? Yeah, I'm, well, we're, we're, we're working on it. We're yeah, working you just on bought it. a house in Chicago. I'm going to be working on it. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Biasi. Adios, all. <laughs>